You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of your disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance, and so, You will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. Uh, John, and for those of you watching uh, online, it's great to have you uh, join us, and along with my wife Joni, we have the privilege of leading the church community here. So I want to talk today about a culture of joy, a culture of joy. You know, when I read the description of Jesus' ministry in Isaiah 61 and indeed the church's ministries, what strikes me is that this is a message. This is a mandate. This is a manifesto, a life, a community marked by joy, marked by joy. And I believe God wants to both restore joy among us and create an ever-building culture of joy among us. Our vision as a church is to be home. And God desires that our home is marked by joy. A joy that is both permanent and permeated through us, the church, to the city. Just look at the language that we read here in the text of Isaiah 61. It talks about good news. It talks about freedom. It talks about favor and comfort and provision. It talks about beauty and gladness and praise and splendor and restoring and rebuilding and renewing and rejoicing and delighting. In verse 7 it says, everlasting joy will be theirs. And that's not an exaggeration, that's not hyperbole. Everlasting joy will be theirs, will be ours. And it's interesting to me that immediately Even as a pastor, I kind of recoil at the idea of speaking about such things, especially in the season that we live in with the pandemic. But I believe that this is exactly the kind of message that we should be communicating and the kind of thing that we should be marked by uh, in this moment in history. Never before, probably in our lifetime, has there been such an opportunity for us to be marked different to the world around us as Christians, as the church. This is exactly the times that we need to be talking about joy. 
Let me pose a question to you all this evening. What separates you out from everyone else right now? At work, at school, at college, at university, in your neighborhood, what marks you out different? John Stott says that you can surmise the whole of the Bible in four words. Be not like them. Be not like them. And a follower of Jesus is marked by difference. We're to be countercultural. If we're going to be marked by the Spirit, as Josh talked about last week so brilliantly, then we will be marked with joy. We will be marked with joy. We are aliens and foreigners in this land. We are citizens of another kingdom. We are ambassadors representing another king. And the whole point of Jesus' ministry, as we read here, is the inbreaking of a whole nother world, a whole nother realm, a whole nother reality, a whole nother kingdom, another way. And it is the kingdom of joy. When you, when you gaze upon Jesus and think about God, he is full of joy. As a church, we need a, a, a restoration, we need a renewal of joy among us. Just look at the zeal in the early church of Paul and Barnabas when they were seeing healings and the people around them thought that they were gods. And it says in Acts 14, 14, it says, but when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. He wants to fill our hearts with joy. This is the mission of God, to fill us with unspeakable joy, so much joy that almost we can't put it into words. You know, the Christians of the New Testament church were not known for their uh, buildings, they weren't known for their denominations or programs, they were known for their joy. It says in Acts 2, 46 to 47, which is the DNA, the values of uh, the early church. He says they ate together in their homes, happy to share their food with joyful hearts. That's what marked them. They had joyful hearts and they praised God and were liked by all the people. And, and you see here, and you see actually throughout the Bible, there's a lot of links to joy and food. And let me tell you, I much prefer feasting to fasting. Anybody else know, know what I mean? I can't wait for the, some of the restaurants to be reopening. I try and have my quiet time, and I'm thinking, well, where shall I go first in the next few weeks? And, uh, you know, we, we've not had chance to do this because of COVID, but for Joni and I, one of the marks of being uh, a place we can call home as a church community is we want to throw parties. We, we want to eat together regularly as a church community and invite uh, the city to the banqueting table. But I think actually, when I think about joy, for many of us, I wonder if the expectation 
or the faith that we have for joy has been lost. Maybe we don't even have it on the radar anymore, particularly because of the last year. Maybe we're thinking, you know, I've not even thought about being a person of joy or even believing for joy, having an expectation that I should be marked by joy. I think for me personally, I'm sure for many of us here, is that the terms and the language and the feelings we seem to live by actually is quite similar to that of the world around us. We're either unhappy or happy depending on what life throws at us. But you know, some of the most joyful people that I've ever met, and I'm sure that you've ever met in your life, are Christians where life has really beaten up on them, where they've had just some horrific things happen in their life, and yet they're some of the most joyful people ever. So, so let me give you a working definition tonight, and I think it's more starkly communicated and understood to us if we can separate happiness from joy, happiness from joy, because they're two different things. Happiness is an emotion based on circumstances and outcomes. And let me just say this, being happy isn't bad. Being happy isn't bad. You know, we, we finally moved into our dream home this last week as a family, and uh, the process has been horrific. I could write a book. Uh, but just amazing how God just is in the detail of things. Just every moment, it's just amazing. The sovereignty and the providence of God in, in all of our lives. But you know, when Joni and I first walked into the, to our new home, we just completed, we just got the keys, and we had a few moments before all the removal vans came with all the furniture, and we just walked around the house. You know, we, our eyes were filled with tears, with emotion. We were so happy. Relieved, yes, but incredibly happy at God's goodness over us. And, and happiness is good, but you can be happy at 3 p.m. and most certainly be unhappy at 3.15 p.m. Uh, when I watched the final episode of Line of Duty, I was deeply, deeply unhappy. Uh, as an as a avid football fan, I support Liverpool, and uh, it's been a terrible season, quite honestly. And there have been uh, moments where I have been incredibly unhappy around our home whilst being a Liverpool fan. But joy, joy is gratitude rooted in grace no matter the circumstances. Completely different. Joy is gratitude rooted in grace no matter the circumstances. And we need to understand this, that when it comes to joy, joy is an inside job. Joy is an inside job. It's not based on feelings or externals or circumstances. Joy is something, though, that we have to contend for. Joy is something that we battle for. It's not something that is handed to us on a plate. Because we live as followers of Jesus, we understand this, that we live not in a bubble, but we live in a battle. And you have to fight for joy. It's internal, it's cultivated, it's planted and watered and nourished, it's to be proactively pursued and protected. It's the place of 
transformation, not accumulation. And I believe that the world, and indeed the church, have replaced joy for happiness without God. We've replaced joy, and the gift that that is, for happiness without God. And I believe that lie has been exposed during this last year through COVID. You know, the early Christians were joyful Christians. In fact, you might want to argue that there is no other type. In the purest sense, the phrase joyful Christian is redundant. We shouldn't need the adjective. We don't put the word wet in front of water or handsome in front of Josh. Ideally, we shouldn't have to put joyful in front of Christian. Christians were just that. They were joyful. And that's what marked them. That's what separated them out. So that's the vision of joy now for the how. And there's two options, two simple options as we contend for joy, as we fight for joy. We either focus on ourselves or we focus on God. That's the simple choice that we have to make. We either focus on ourselves or we focus on God. In essence, if something is going to ever live in your life like joy, something, namely yourself, has to die. And in Galatians chapter 6, it talks about joy being one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And of course, to get any kind of fruit, the focus shouldn't ever be on the fruit, but it should be focused upon the root. And the root has to be Jesus and God in order to get the fruit of joy. But if the root is self, then we do not have pure joy. And so let's just take those two things. If we're to focus on self, then this root expresses itself. It shows up in a couple of really obvious ways. And uh, all of us, I'm sure, uh, can appreciate these two things. First of all, entitlement. Nothing snuffs out joy and gratitude than entitlement. You know, the, the reason that we compare, and, the, and this is really prevalent on social media with the Insta life, you know, Instagram, is that we view other people's lives and view other people's words and, worlds, and we, we want more, but it's more than that. Actually, we feel that we deserve more. And so we have this sense of entitlement, and we long for more. And just think about this last year, but many tests have come to us in terms of our relationships, in terms of our possessions, in terms of our careers, in terms of our lives. And a hammer comes to those things, and we see does, what, what shows up is that a sense of entitlement. When problems come to the followers of Jesus, do we have this thing that comes up on the inside of us? Do you know what? I deserve more. That shouldn't be happening to me. Look at what's happening to that other person. And I've resolved this over, over 30 years of following Jesus, that everything in my life is a gift from the gracious hand of God. Everything that I don't deserve. 
And my call in life is to simply steward and nurture the gifts that God has graciously given to me. And if the Lord chooses in his sovereignty to take any of those things away, that's up to him because I've decided I do not live for my own personal happiness. That is not a good goal. That is not a good goal in life. But I live instead for his glory. And that is a completely different way of seeing life. But here's the irony. We're actually our most happy when we are most satisfied in him. And an ungrateful spirit, when the root is one that's of an ungrateful heart, when it's rooted in self, then it steals all our joy. The second thing is shame. Shame. And this is kind of like the other end of the spectrum, is that when you hear of the love of God, when you hear of the goodness of God and the grace of God and the wonders of the gospel, as we read about in Isaiah 61, is you instantly think, I could never, ever receive it. And many people kind of uh, have this sense of, well, I'm, I'm just being humble before God. You know, I, I, I can never receive it. I don't deserve it. And there's this sense of humility. But actually, a lot of that is a false humility, not accepting what Jesus has done for us and receiving, actually embracing the gift that he has given to us through his death on the cross and the resurrection. The life that he now wants to give us is if we do not embrace that because of shame, actually what's at the root of that is pride. It's a false humility, which in essence is all about self. And so people, and many of us, we've maybe gone on a journey, on a process, and we've messed up, and we're struggling And the reality is, is that we're ungrateful because we haven't received what God wants to give to us. So people who are entitled and people who are full of shame both have this thing in common. They both haven't received what God wants to give to them. Now what we need to do is not focus on self, which shows up in these two things, shame and entitlement, but actually we need to focus on the root, which is Jesus. Let's go back to the definition. Joy is gratitude rooted in grace no matter the circumstances. In other words, we need to be daily, and I mean daily, stunned by salvation. Christians who are grateful, Christians who can weather all sorts and all kinds of storms, Christians who come and we come and worship and we give everything because we don't have a sense of entitlement or we don't, we're not cowering in shame, but we're embracing and worshiping and living for the glory of God. A people who are stunned by his salvation. It says this in 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Do you see the link there? The salvation of our souls with inexpressible joy. Completely linked. Psalm 51 verse 12, restore to us the joy of your salvation. Salvation and joy. 
And in Isaiah 61, this text is a salvation text. Of course, it has social and, and physical um, and institutional applications. But primarily, Isaiah 61 is a text of salvation and the promise of hope. And that's why it talks about in Isaiah 61, it talks about a year of favor and a day of vengeance. And then when it comes to Jesus saying this in the Gospel of Luke, is that he leaves out the day of vengeance bit. And that's because Jesus came to usher in the age of salvation, the hope of the Gospel offered to every single person in the world. And if you look through Isaiah 61, you'll be able to read it this way. Is that when in sin, before you met Jesus and gave him your life, it was only bad news. We are spiritually blind. We're in prison and captivity. And because of that, we mourn. We despair. We grieve. I know when I, even at the age of eight, became a Christian, I grieved over my sin. I, I, I didn't want to be separated from God. God revealed himself to me by his spirit and was calling me. And I, and I was, I do not want to be separated. I don't want to be away from my creator. It says in Ecclesiastes, remember your creator in the days of youth. I don't want to be away from him. And so that's so often when we, we're in sin is we mourn, we despair, we grieve, we're convicted, we're brokenhearted. Have you, have you ever denied the Lord or done something you know is just not what it means to be a Christian and you're just brokenhearted over your own sin? And through original sin, the Bible says we're enemies of God. There's a chasm. The wrath of God is upon us, but this is the good news. And, and if we don't understand that, we'll never truly be grateful and stunned by salvation. People who have lost their joy because they're not stunned by salvation have forgotten what they were like before they became Christians. But because of Jesus and his love and his grace, we're not in sin but the language of the New Testament, the New Covenant, is that we're now in Christ. That is where we're now positioned. That is where we're placed. We are in Christ. And Christ is full of joy. Christ is righteous. He is free. He is perfect. He is anointed. He is the good news. Jesus is the good news. And so joy is not out there somewhere. Joy is not some character trait that we somehow need to leave here and say, you know, John spoke about joy. I need to somehow discover this. No, Jesus Christ is joy. And joy is a person, not a character trait. And we are in Christ. And that's why in that beautiful text in John 15, where it talks about abiding in God, abiding in him, where you bear fruit. It says in verse 11, I've told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. Abiding in Christ, having Jesus at the root, not self, means you'll bear fruit and the fruit is joy. So the joyful Christian thinks more of Jesus than our difficulties, more of the spiritual riches that we have in Christ rather than our poverty on earth. That's where our joy lies. And, and there's some thieves that come some thieves that come and try and steal our joy. Let me give you just a few of them, and, and I'm, I'm sure we're all aware of this. Being ruled by our feelings will steal your joy. Self-absorption will steal your joy. 
Forgetfulness of the gospel will steal your joy. False expectations will steal your joy. Comparison will steal your joy. A spirit of ungratefulness will steal our joy. Negativity will steal our joy. Self-pity will steal our joy. And so the gospel's encouragement is this, focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. And so actually, if you look at it a different way, we are entitled, I am entitled, I deserve, and I'm entitled to death and separation from God because of my sin, because the wages of sin is death. But because of grace, I have life in Jesus. So the more time we hang out with him, the more time we spend in his word and in his presence and worshiping him and in prayer and just being with him and talking to him and listening to him, the more joy. So I want to encourage you this evening is to actually choose joy because Jesus, this is the salvation divine exchange, Jesus lost all joy so that we could get everlasting joy. That is what he did on the cross for you and I. That is our inheritance. But we've got to contend for it. We've got to watch for these thieves. We've got to fight for our joy and protect our joy. Because when Christians, particularly in a pandemic, are marked by joy, it makes a huge difference. A huge difference. Just in conclusion, as we look over this last year, seems to me we've got a, a collision of things. We've got many of us who we've based our lives on external happiness, based on circumstances, whether they're good or not. And when this collides with faulty foundations of what it means to be a disciple of Christ, is actually it leaves us bereft, especially of joy. But God is bringing to his church a restoration and a renewal of joy. This house, we want to be a house of miracles that is marked by joy. It is a mark of the coming kingdom and the Spirit's presence. And so maybe our hearts tonight are exhausted because we've lived a life without God as king. And we've seen in this last year that the cultural scripts that we live by are exposed as frauds. And we're sickened by broken promises and false idols. And we're shattered by our striving. Jesus says, come to me once again. Place me and my gospel and my salvation at the foundation of your life again. And allow the fruit of joy to come into your life. And maybe you're in a place where you're worn out and it's been a place of holy discontent, but it's in those moments it is a perfect opportunity for spiritual renewal to come into our hearts and lives. So you may feel weak, you may feel broken, you may feel empty, we all do, but this is the doorway to hunger and spiritual thirst which brings an awakening of joy to our lives. Let's pray.
Thank you for listening to the Hall Vineyard podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon. Thank you.